Once upon a time, I hated my tits, loathed them with a passion bordering on obsession. I envied girls with pert, perky breasts even as I acknowledged that teeny tiny boobs would completely unbalance my figure. My hips needed their substantial neighbors to the north. Without a full set of knockers, my broad backside would overwhelm my frame. Even so, I hated them. I wanted to go braless without causing automobile accidents, without drawing stern glances from holier-than-thou church ladies, without having my chest addressed as if it had achieved sentence. I wanted to be able to jog without pain. I wanted freedom from underwires. I wanted these things before I even turned 14. In the seventh grade, between Mrs. Platt's third-period social studies class and Mr. Wilson's fourth-period math class, my tits erupted from the unbroken landscape of my torso. Just like that, I swear, it seemed that sudden. I don't recall ever wearing a bra smaller than a C-cup. Billy Robinson was the first boy I allowed to touch them. What he lacked in finesse, he made up for in height. As the only one of my classmates taller than I, although barely so, he received the bulk of my nascent sexual attentions. I didn't consider it a big deal, really. I simply considered it something to endure. He, on the other hand, considered it so big a deal that he told Tommy Crawford, who told Keith Gallagher, who told the entire locker room after gym class on a fateful Friday afternoon in October. By Monday morning, I was the biggest slut ever to attend Edgewood Middle School. By Monday afternoon, I wanted to die. My tits were nothing but trouble. High school brought even bigger tits and, with them, even bigger trouble. If a sports bra existed that could adequately muzzle my mammary glands, I sure as hell couldn't find it. And believe me, I tried. Years later, I learned I was largely responsible for the record-setting attendance at girls' varsity basketball games. The team sucked, but my chest had its own cheering squad. In my sophomore year, my nipples woke up. Kurt Taylor's oral fixation deserves an honorable mention for that, although masturbation and I had been well acquainted for several years until that time, sexual stimulation had not involved my nipples. I attribute the lack of erogenous awareness to my innate rebellious nature. I resented my tits, therefore I refused even subconscious acceptance of their potential for pleasure. At that age, most of the boys were content to cop a feel. Kurt, however, set his sights on a bigger prize. He believed quite accurately, as a matter of fact, that the key to my pants could be found in my bra. To this very day, a good finger-fucking coupled with nipple-sucking can bring me to orgasm faster than anything that doesn't require batteries. Yes, that includes cunnilingus. Kurt worshipped my breasts. I mean, he paid them serious homage with his agile tongue. Unfortunately, Kurt's family moved to Des Moines just before Thanksgiving. I missed him, but I missed his mouth far more. It took me almost five years to find another guy who didn't skimp on the proper adoration of my endowments. I considered it an audition of sorts, a test. If he couldn't please me above the waist, odds were good he wouldn't please me below it either. That approach served me well until I got to college. I learned many things in college— Perhaps 10% of that learning stemmed from the courses I took. The rest consisted of life lessons. I hope you don't mind if I babble while you work. It takes my mind off the pain. What you're doing doesn't hurt a bit. The scar tissue is mostly numb. I'm talking about the emotional pain.
College expanded my horizons, no doubt about that. Just not in the ways one typically associates with higher education. The freshman dormitories, a mandatory residence for all incoming students, opened my eyes to the wonders of sex with another woman. I surprised myself, really, because until that year I'd never had the first inkling of an attraction to anyone of my own gender. No boys were allowed in the rooms ever, and they were only allowed in the chaperone social lounge on the first floor until 10 o'clock on weeknights, midnight on weekends. The strictly monitored curfews forced a randy gaggle of girls to find creative ways to satisfy our needs. I'm sure the architects of Harlan Hall intended the communal showers to be an efficient feature, but we enjoyed them for far different reasons.